This is Old Man Rolling Dice. Hey everybody, it's Jeremy and Jason from Old Men Rolling Dice. Uh, welcome to 2020, New Year, and, uh, and new things on the horizon for Old Men Rolling Dice. We're looking at some uh, live plays of new game systems. Things like uh, Dungeon Crawl Classic, uh, Crawl, Crawl, listen to me, Crawl of Cthulhu, Call of Cthulhu. Do you pronounce the H on the end? Um, I do, I think so. Cthulhu. Cool. Whip. Cthulhu. I think I watched a video one time about pronunciation and it, it actually made it worse for me. I believe I shut it off about halfway through. So Call of Cthulhu, we're going to do some Dungeon Crawl Classic. We actually record our Dungeon Crawl Classic uh, one shot later this week, uh, which will be fun. It's being run by DM Brian, who we interviewed about Dungeon Crawl Classics. and uh, For the Grognards episode. Which actually leads into something, uh, New, New Year's resolutions, gaming resolutions. We're just fresh here in January. Did you make a gaming resolution? I did not make a gaming resolution. I never even thought about that. I always make gaming resolutions, and basically it's the same every year. Play something other than Dungeons & Dragons. It's nice in that this is a great time to be into the role-playing systems. There's so much on the market, and it's not even like there's so much on the market. There was more on the market back in the day. The stuff that's on the market now just seems so much better, so oh, much yeah. more streamlined, so much and content. product quality. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we're actually uh, this episode we're going to be talking about the Call of Cthulhu box set that Chaosium put out. In my understanding, this is like seventh edition, something like that. That's crazy. I feel like Call of Cthulhu has been Call of Cthulhu. Okay, what I love about the Call of Cthulhu game is that it's a game about exploring maybe the shadows, investigating. The alternate out there. And the game itself, to me, has always been there, beside Dungeons & Dragons, in the shadow. This is true. <laughs> I like it in that, I think, at this stage, and we've talked about this in terms of role-playing, I enjoy games that are maybe a little more story or role-play heavy. And yes. I'm not as I'm not as interested in, in massive stretches of combat. And I think that this game lends itself really well to that. Well, Dungeons & Dragons, for example, is a system that was built... About combat. Yes, the original sort of white books we're talking about. But even now, 5th edition, 5th edition, the biggest section of rules is probably dedicated to how to fight. Yeah? I've never really sat down and broke it down. I there's, can't say. there's a little bit about skill checks. There's a, there's, there's a good portion about how to role play. Like, if you've never been a role player before, no. how you role play in Dungeons & Dragons. But Dungeons & Dragons basically teaches you how to fight. Yeah. And I, mean, I don't think Call of Cthulhu does that. No, definitely doesn't. I actually can say that I don't even know that I really came across a lot Very of that skill rule. Based. Very skill-based. Very skill-based. I actually enjoyed the skill system in this, too. So so what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about the Call of Cthulhu box set that we've picked up, and we think this is 7th edition. We In previous discussions, Jason and I have learned that I think we have two separate printings, that I maybe have the first printing and Jason has the second printing. I think so. No, I watched a little bit of YouTube and we'll, cheated this because I don't have a huge background in, in diverse um, various game systems. And I came across um, an, a YouTuber who was reviewing this game and there was a couple of comments he made about his uh, product they received. And I was thinking, I don't, I don't think that applies to the same product I got. Exactly. exactly. And then um, I guess two minutes before the mic started, we did a quick comparison. I believe you may have the first printing and I may have a later printing. 
which is really irrelevant. The content's all the same, but <laughs> it's nice to know that it, as a company, I mean, they obviously heard these concerns, and I believe in a very short, brief period of time, the changes yes. recommended were made, which yeah. is really kind of nice to realize that. It's also nice to think that maybe the first printing did so well that it, it rolled right into a second printing. Yeah, I never even thought of it that way, too. So, I mean, it's kind of irrelevant. You, if you enjoy the game, maybe you don't care how... Well, sales are important. If the game's going to stay healthy and alive, no, absolutely. It, needs a, it needs a player base. People get into these to make money. Yeah. Yeah, so we're going to talk about Call of Cthulhu, the box set, and then we're going to, uh, t we both read, there's a solo adventure in it called uh, Alone Against the Flames, and it's solo even to the point that you literally, you don't need a, a storyteller, you don't need, sorry, a keeper, I think in Call of Cthulhu it's I called a it's keeper. keeper. Um, and investigators. So you read it as an investigator, and it's sort of choose your own adventure. And it sort of provides the basic building blocks of the game through a series of choices and allows you to sort of experiment with the rules in case you're not familiar with so the system. So when we get to that section, yep. feel free to turn us off <laughs> uh, if you don't want any spoilers because we are actually going to go through the story uh, that's found in Alone Against the Flames. We're, we're, we, will, we will probably spoil it for you if you haven't run it. But uh, let's talk about the box set first. So it's, it's not a big box set. It's pretty narrow. It's pretty thin. But it's full. Yeah. Uh, it's a nice heavy box. I always think back to sort of the 1980s and sort of the first Dungeons and Dragons basic box I got, and you couldn't own that for more than three weeks no. without it virtually collapsing on itself. No, this is this is a the. I it's funny that you mentioned it because I actually thought like, it's a good box. It's just like it almost feels like a hardcover <laughs> book. Yeah, it does. I'm holding it. Good. That's a good comparison. It feels like a hardcover book. It really does. Um. So this this says that it's by Mike Mason and friends, and you'll have to excuse me because we're new to Call of Cthulhu. I, I'm not familiar with Mike Mason. Maybe I am. Maybe I've read his stuff before and don't realize it. But um, that that is the authorship. It's made by Chaosium, and I think Chaosium has always been the publisher of Call of Cthulhu. I believe so. I believe so. So inside there are three booklets. There is book one, Alone Against the Flames, which is the solo adventure we're going to talk about. Book two is the introductory rules. Mm -hmm. And uh, book three is Paper Chase and Other Adventures. And my understanding is that this is like a collection of sort of three classic modules sort of reworked for seventh edition. Sort of the yeah. best of the best. Are they are they classic? Have they been... Uh, yes, my under I understand based on the YouTube video that I watched that these are sort of handpicked from previous um, fair enough yeah, adventures, and um, a lot of time and effort went into making sure they picked <clears throat> sort of classic adventures, but each one with a different and feel. Everything in this box set is 1920s. Yes, which is because you can play Cthulhu in other eras. I had no idea. It was one of those things when I was like, oh, it's 1920s era, and then I started. Um, Okay. Looking into Cthulhu and realize that it, it literally you can drop it into any genre or any time this, era. This may be an odd comment, but have you noticed that the books have a funny smell? No, I have I don't know if it's the ink they use, <laughs> but every time I open these books, I'm like, that's a funny smell. I'm I'm not picking up on it, but I've I've had a, I've had a bit of a cold lately. Uh, the, the, so the beauty of audio, nobody has to watch us sniff books. <laughs> My nose is deep in the crease. Um, so there's a handout. There's a set of handouts. Now, this is where we noticed our first difference between our sets. Yes. Is that my handouts are stapled together into like a booklet. Right. And the 
handouts and the release that I received are actually all individual sheets of one-sided individual sheets. So mine are two-sided. Right. So for handout purposes, there's a couple of times when if you wanted to cut and actually hand those out, you would have to cut into the handout on the other side. Exactly. I would have to photocopy these. Right. And Whereas, because because they're color, because they're color, the photocopies are not going to necessarily be friendly. No. And that was one on uh, one of the reviews I saw. It was one of the things they'd mentioned. Oh, I wish that they had just done this as a series of handouts because it would be easier for game purposes not to hand out maybe two clues at once, something on the back of the sheet. Or if you had to, I think there's a couple of times when there's two on one sheet. Yes. If you had to cut Did they them, separate them on yours? Yes. No, they, they didn't, didn't separate, separate them. them but, but you I, can cut them apart. And I wouldn't interfere with anything on the back side. Yes, you could cut them apart. Uh, if I cut mine apart... The image on the back side is snafu'd at that point. There's pre-made characters. There is, um, and they look great. Uh, right off the top, I'm going to state, and there's probably somebody who's going to disagree with me, especially when learning an introductory box. I, I get it. I understand. Character creation for me, though, is a huge part of any role-playing game. It's one of the things I enjoy the most. Yes. Um, given the choice between using a pre-generated character and generating my own, I will always choose to generate my own. Interesting. The first time I play, like if I were to play this box set, yes, I would hand out pre-gen characters. I would say, just show up and let's play. As a game master. Yeah. It simply gets the ball rolling quicker, so to I speak. I think so. Yeah. I think so. So I, I, I will let you know one thing. So I, I got this box set well before Christmas. And I received mine as a Christmas gift. Okay. Thank you, Santa. <laughs> Ho, ho, ho. Uh, so I got mine before Christmas, and I ran Call of Cthulhu in uh, Halloween. And did you run one of the adventures? I did not run one of the adventures in the box. I picked up another Chaosium product, which I should have maybe brought, but I did not. Uh, anyways, it was a collection of six adventures, and it was sold as sort of good for starting... Keepers. Oh, that's nice. You know what? It's, nice. it's smart that I think they're doing that. I think because when you're playing Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition, you can mm -hmm. put a product out there. You realize that the people that are buying that are familiar with the system, right? That, that most people, a lot of people who are buying that have played extensively. And if they haven't 5th Edition, they're playing with somebody who's already played 5th Edition. And 5th Edition is very streamlined. I think that's a more common experience yes. that you're describing. Someone at the table knows what they're doing. Right. That being said... The, the fifth edition starter box. I think the starter box itself is, before we stray too far off course here, but the starter box itself is an interesting uh, way of putting out the game. Dungeons and Dragons put out a starting box. Call of Cthulhu has put out a starter box. Yes. Uh, there are other game systems. Shadow Run put out a starter box. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. There's a lot of starter boxes hitting the market. I think. I think, if, especially if you're running... Because a, this a is not the complete system. rules of Call of Cthulhu. No, and that is something I realized having... I leaped into book two a couple times during the book one adventure. It asked to you to. see if I could sort of reference something. Even something I was looking for that it wasn't asked for. Yes. There's a one specific incident, and it's not a big deal, but I was like, oh, this is a starter box. This is a basic yeah. set. 
I am getting sort of the bare bones here. The things that I'm used to having access to in, say, 5th edition mm -hmm. are not in... And that's pretty common box. for a starbox. Like, the starbox for 5th edition does not give you all the races. Does not. Actually, I don't does not have give the, the starbox. I have the essentials kit. So, and it is I a starter box, there it's not complete rules. As well, simply because it goes back to character generation. The starter box came with pre-gens, and the okay. essentials kit um, Did not. does not. It actually requires you to build your own character. It goes back to that character building thing. Mm -hmm. I have trouble letting it go. No, that's fine. That's fine. The material that's here should be able to get any group up off the ground and running Call of Cthulhu, though. And if the storyteller is not is not sure what makes a Call of Cthulhu story a Call of Cthulhu story versus another type of genre uh there are the three stories are right I've, I've skimmed through all three I, of them they look interesting to play go under the basis too that anybody who's decided they're running this or sitting down with a group of friends to play this has probably at some point in time read lovecraft knows about lovecraft has a background in sort of lovecraftian um cosmic horror right they mm -hmm. you're you're not simply jumping into this and going i, I don't even know what a cthulhu is <laughs> Your players might, though. Like, if you're that guy that has the box set and you go, I really want to play this game, and there's people out there going, like, yeah, I, don't, I don't get it. Where are all these tentacles coming from? Mm -hmm. yeah. There's actually a great quote in the adventure uh, to sort of set the tone for Call of Cthulhu. I think Call of Cthulhu... So, in Dungeons & Dragons, you gain power. You're, you're going to fight to get stronger, and as each level comes, you rise more and more power. Call of Cthulhu would seem the opposite. Maybe when you make your character, that's the best you're going to be. Yeah. And then Life things, might just get worse for you. Then things seem to go to shit from there. And uh, there's a quote in the adventure that says, succeeding a role does not necessarily equal fun. Hmm. That a failure can have as much fun, if not more. When we get talking about gameplay, I can honestly say that that's one thing I noticed. Is, um, as I progress through it, yes. and I want to, I don't think this is talking about book one yet too much, I had an amazing experience in that, like, the first eight rolls I did, yes. I succeeded at every single one of them. Oh, that's funny. I had a similar... Uh, I had read that quote, mm -hmm. and then I started... I was on this chain of successful rolls. I, and, and two I, of mine were at 20%. I, succeed, I was alone in the house, and I was disappointed because I actually rolled an exact 20. And I was like, normally, if this was a room full of people, I would have been... You know, woohooing. There yes. would have been a shout, and I looked around, and nobody cared. But was but there the part cat. of you that was like, maybe it would have been better if I failed that roll? No, because shortly after that, I failed my first roll, and <laughs> I found as soon as there was a failed roll, things unraveled quickly for me. <laughs> and I think I would have probably played more cautious, except I kept succeeding, and I was like, I'm unstoppable. Mm -hmm. I might be so the greatest investigator of the 1920s, <laughs> and then I suddenly wasn't. <laughs> then I wasn't. When I ran the game at Halloween, mm -hmm. everybody at the table were Lovecraftian Cthulhu fans. Yes, everybody had knowledge. Some of them, massive including of myself. I have read, uh, I have read or listened to audiobooks of a good portion of Lovecraft. I have library. also read a, a rather large portion of his work. I actually have a hard time reading him. Uh, I I commonly when I'm reading Lovecraft have to go back and reread what I just read because his he does use some pretty dialect yeah. big words yeah. some big ten dollar words uh I'll admit that I'm like what well, I don't know what that means but when you listen to when you if if you've had that same problem that I've had I tried some audiobooks of him and I found I I, I just followed it easier 
Exactly. So as far as the box set is concerned, I was happy with it. I, as, as a beginner box set goes, I don't think that there was... The rules that they present here are clear. It's enough to run a game with. I have only really read through book one. I have specifically didn't... I kind of leafed through book two. I specifically didn't open book three, knowing there was a chance that we might be in a situation where we might play yes. something out of that. Yes. And I didn't want to... Okay. I didn't want to well, risk not being the player. Well, <laughs> I, will I will tell you that I've, I've read uh, all of book one, book two, and I have leafed through the adventures of book okay. three. And the rules that they present here are intact enough that I don't see why anyone couldn't... Like, it's not the complete rules. If you went out and bought your full-blown Call right. of Cthulhu rule book, which I have at home as well. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> but if you do that, I'm sure there's more... Like, there's other options. There's other... Um, things that can come out of uh, certain rules or rules, but I feel like it's all there. And I I don't even remember what I paid for this box set, but if you are curious about Call of Cthulhu, I don't think you can go wrong with this. I don't think so. There's, an, the, there's enough here. You buy the box set. You can run yourself through a short adventure to, to learn about the game. You can then get your friends at a table. There are three more adventures in here that you can run them through. Absolutely. And that's good bang for your buck. The commitment for me to buy a set of core rule books, and, and I'm not sure how many core rule books there are in the Cthulhu Chaosium. Is it is it simply just one large core rule book? One large core rule book, and I, then there is a judge's handbook right. and an investigator's right. handbook. So, but those you're looking I don't at a think significant investment of, of the financially. Book, the core book is the rule book, right? Um, but the, if you bought the core rule book. It would not introduce you to the game the way this box set does. Right. The core rule book, you've got a lot of reading. I think... Okay, so book two, the rule book... three modules available, basically, to you right off the bat. Mm -hmm. I mean, what do you pay for a module? A module, yep. even by a smaller print house, there's no way it's less than $10 a module. This this rule, realistically could be 20 This rule book is 22 pages, 23 pages, and there's a chart on the 23rd page. So let's call it 23, 22, whatever you want, but... It's it's 23 pages in length, and that doesn't take long to get through to figure out what you're no, going to be doing. No, no, And like I said, especially having played other games in the past, there, you'll see similarities you're reading through. That's a skill check. Yeah. That's a movement speed. That's a, right? You kind of like, okay, I know how those things work generally. If you're a role player. And right. if you're not a role player, I mean, it does speak to the person that is maybe a fan that just picked this box set up not even knowing what they're getting 100 percent. i think that alone against the flame you could give that to a friend of yours who was a lovecraft fan yes sit down have a beer or a cup of coffee on the other end of the table for an hour and they would finish that yes. booklet and real and have a pretty good understanding the, of what a role-playing game was. artwork is good it's a it's it, some of it's great some, of, some it, of it's good okay fair, that's a fair yeah that's a fair call yeah. I would say anyone interested. I think I think this probably retails for. We're in we're in Canada, so it's a little different here, Canada. But the the, the price on the box reads. Oh, mine says mine says twenty four ninety nine. And my oh, and mine says twenty four ninety five. Inflation. <laughs> it's the Canadian Cthulhu tax. You we see, put that on everything. Staples, stapling those things was four cents cheaper. Stapling the handouts. It was cheaper. Uh, so 24 I think this is probably the American price on the back. It could very well be. I don't see Canadian. So, so for 25 bucks, you're getting really a complete role-playing game. I don't see any reason why you would even have to go on to buy 
the uh, full-blown book, this seems to have enough that you have at least half a dozen to a dozen sessions here. You would have to be making up your own stories. As you go, yeah. But if you use the stories that are here as a launching point, I'll be frank, though. I don't know that your your investigators could live through three consecutive stories. Oh, you know, I get attached to characters. We talk about this all the time. I, I, I don't think this is a good system if you attach yourself really hard to characters. Uh, you have to know that your investigator has impending doom around every corner. You're taking all the window to my sails right now. Here's the here's the major difference, I'll tell you, between Dungeons & Dragons and Call of Cthulhu. In Dungeons & Dragons, they scale monsters. In Dungeons & Dragons... You know, an early party is fighting kobolds and goblins, and by the time, you know, maybe you're uh, in the 5 to 10th level range, now you're fighting ogres and maybe giants, and then after 10th level you're fighting dragons, and then maybe at 15th level you're fighting demons, and Call of Cthulhu just says you're, you're fighting demons. That demon could just as easily kill you in session 1 as he could in session 10. You yeah. don't suddenly, but, as a librarian, but suddenly have a hundred hit points out of you nowhere. You don't have the yeah. The hit point chart on the player's character sheet goes to twenty, and it's a combination of your your constitution and your size. These are stats. So in Call of Cthulhu, your stats are strength, constitution, size, dexterity. Um, is this appearance APP? I think it is. Education, intelligence, power. Mm-hmm. And so, power is sort of, that was a hard one for me to get my head around. I'm going to go back to a D&D reference. That is sort of like your wisdom. That's interesting. I found it more to be charisma. Not charisma from the standpoint of ah. um, your ability to manipulate people, but a sent, uh, uh, as a stat of your own um, character's sort of uh, power presence. Do you know what I mean? No, uh, yeah, I can see that for sure. Let me see what, how they actually describe it. Is a combination of force of will, spirit, and mental stability. Well, there you go. Because power comes in if you start casting spells, or that's another thing. Like there's spells in this game. It didn't get into it too much in our story. No. But there seems to be dread consequences for casting spells. I, during the playthrough, actually learned an incantation, but never had the opportunity to oh. use it. See, I stumbled on a point that sort of implied if I knew the incantation, I could now use it. Yes. I did not know the incantation. So, I did know the incantation. It did me no good whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Both of us have a glowing review for this box set. Like, Absolutely. Let's, this is really interesting in that we're two very different gamers. In that I own... A fifth edition player's handbook. I own maybe the core three rule books from uh, third edition. Yeah. yeah, maybe still a first edition book kicking around and a couple supplements. In terms of other role playing games, I don't know that I have, I own or have purchased virtually anything else. This is probably my first real foray outside of Dungeons and Dragons in terms of a financial commitment and. Enough interest that I'm like, yeah, you know what? I think that's something I'd like to have on my shelf. Whereas I know for a fact that you are at the other end of that spectrum. I have a lot of role-playing you games. You have a lot of role-playing and games. And the, the biggest uh, regret slash sort of stumbling point that I have all those role-playing games is I have played very little of them. And I don't think that's uncommon. I think that's actually really common. So we're... But you're right. I've, I've looked at a lot of role-playing games and you uh, have a much narrower... 
Absolute focus, but we both like this. No, no, I just actually think it's a good thing that we have sort of those two, yeah, sort of, um, different views on it. For I me, agree. This so, is my first real non Dungeons and Dragons purchase. So let's talk about Alone Against the Flames. And this is a good time that if you don't, if you intend to buy this product and run yourself through Alone Against the Flames and don't want to be spoiled. You should probably. Tune I would. Yeah, I would probably tune out. I would, I would tune I'm out. I'm glad now. that I didn't know anything about this going into it. Um, I. Knew I'm the kind of person that w I would be okay with what we're probably about to say. I would still. I would take that. That would only get me more pumped to run the run the. But I know people uh, don't like spoilers, so we're giving you all a warning right now. We get, we get out of here. We are about to spoil yeah. the hell out of this oh product. Oh my god! It is going to be the bee's <laughs> knees. <laughs> So I was looking up 1920 slang shortly <laughs> after playing in case we ran a campaign because I wanted to know about that. So th this is something that I actually noticed right off the hop. The language in the book. We learn, like, so you start off as a man, well, in my case, man. If you're a woman, you're a woman. But my, my, my person, because you don't start off naming your character or anything. No, it's set the empty sheet in front of you. We will walk you through filling this sheet out. But you're in a town and you're you're basically waiting for a bus to Arkham. Yes. And they mention a tobacconist. Yeah, absolutely. Every man should have his own personal tobacconist, along with a good haberdasher. <laughs> no, but I did. I had to stop right there and just. Pause for a moment because I now knew going through the rest, we were not in, like there isn't tobacconists anymore. People don't have that profession. There, it is a incredibly specialized profession. Yes. If there's still somebody out there who's a tobacconist, please give us a listen or a like. We are pro tobacconists. Are we? I, I I've never smoked in my life. Have you not? Never. I smoked a joint. Like today before you got here, or are we like we're doing retro? You know what? I don't know if this is the place to do confessions. <laughs> okay. I'm not sure that I'm comfortable fair with enough, that. Fair enough. Let's move along. Move along. Uh, so, so tobacconist, but even calling the bus a coach. Oh, you know, and it and it wasn't real. And on top of that, it then makes mention that you have to throw your luggage onto the luggage rack. Yeah. And suddenly I'm like, okay, I'm not in Kansas anymore. I'm going to tell you, I know exactly what you're talking about. I didn't. Pick up on it until there's a point. Maybe I'm jumping no, far ahead. No, go ahead and jump. Okay. At one point in time in this adventure, I'm in a general store. Mm -hmm. There are common everyday items available. If there are two items you would like to pick up, I know exactly you can pick them up now. And I remember sitting there thinking, what the hell would be on the store shelf in a 1920s general store? Like, I had no idea what I could. I'm like, do they have like a flashlight with batteries? Like, can I pick that up? Spark plugs, spark plugs and bubble gum. I, I like yeah, Jack Links, some jerky. I don't know. My point is, I was like, there are, okay, I can tell you there are flashlights in the 1920s. See, because and I when I researched when I researched the game for Halloween, I was like, I was like, is it? An are oil they exploring lantern? the cave with? Are they exploring the cave with torches? Are they exploring the caves with a kerosene lantern? I remember thinking. Like, I wish, at that point in time, that's when I referenced book two. Because I'm like, well, there's got to be an equipment list. Because if, as playing Dungeons and Dragons, I have, and as a player who likes making characters, I have spent time looking at equipment lists. Sure, absolutely. absolutely. And I was like, well, maybe they should list ten things that I picked two. Or maybe it should be like, hey, check out page 22 of book two. 
for an equipment list. The only thing they mentioned was there's a there's a dusty old hunting knife in the cabinet, and I was like, which is kind of leading you. Yeah, I'm like, well, there's no way I'm not taking the hunting knife. I didn't take it. Did, really? I didn't take and it. And I was like, because I was, can I get a lighter? You brought can I get, you brought this up earlier. I was trying to think outside of me. I was trying to think of my yep. would my character take a knife? And my character, you know. Did did not have any sort of fighting skills, and I'm like, why would he take the knife? I also went for a character with no fighting skills. Why would he take the knife? Because I, I was what like, profession did you choose? Antiquarian. Okay, and I chose professor. Yeah. What was your character? Did you name your character? I did. Now here's the thing. I this is oh so this is where I totally make a liar out of myself. I have played Call of Cthulhu before. I it was a don't long remember time ago. exactly. Um, we're talking 1983 to 85, somewhere oh in that window. We played. You would have been pretty young. I'd have been. I'm not even sure in, you would have got what. I I was into I was into Lovecraft early. Okay, I had enough. actually read quite a bit of Lovecraft, and I, my friends were all gamers. We yep. had played Dungeons Dragons. I remember playing it. I don't remember what edition it was. I don't remember even the adventure, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But I do remember my character's name, which is great. But that goes back to the fact that I love. <laughs> Making characters. And I'm like, I remember my character's name. I don't remember what it, what he did. I don't remember if he lived, went insane, killed everybody else in the room. I have no idea. So I was like, I am going to name this character the same name that I named a character from, I'm going to say, sometime in the mid-80s. Okay, I would love to drum roll right now. What What, what is the character's name? Ellsworth Spectre. Ellsworth Spectre. That's amazing. And that's why I remember, I'm like, that was a great... You know where you have those, like, spots in your gaming history where you're like, I don't remember the last 12 characters I played, but I remember, you know, Captain Bigglesworth or whatever. You you have those, like, little pockets that sort of stick with you in your head. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, okay, so we had... we I have also played Call of Cthulhu over the years. Not in maybe the way it was supposed to be played, but the one experience we had was really good... Um, my friend Jessica, you know Jessica, mm -hmm. she ran the game. Tanya's character, my wife, Tanya's character's name in that was, uh, she was sort of a Nancy Drew character, and her name was Dixie something. And I kept I kept laughing, Dixie Normus, right? Yeah. That, that's the, that's the because, because we're mature. Yeah. So my character's name is also mature. My, my character's name is Richard Dickinson. Nice. Double Dick, Double. <laughs> Dick Dickinson, uh, Richard Dickinson, and I was like, I, I just, I was, it was sort of a. My wife didn't, I didn't, you know, I haven't talked to Tanya about this, but it was, it all came out of her character being called Dixie. I forget, I, her character's name might have been Dixie Drew. Like she was literally going like, I was it a pre-gen or was it? No, um, uh, Jessica had us make our own. I made sort of an explore in that game. I made sort of an explore. Uh, Did you go with the the Harris, Indiana Jones? His name was Harrison Montana. Yeah, see. And, and don't get me wrong, that's one thing while playing this that I'm trying to think of sort of Cthulhu. I don't know why, but I automatically always think of sort of Raiders of the Lost Ark. I'm going to be honest, if I ran a, a, a game of Call of Cthulhu, it would have a lot more pulp influence, I think, than Call of Cthulhu, than sort of Lovecraftian influence. And do you think that's because you play Dungeons and Dragons and you're used to that pace and that level of excitement? And I'm not saying that this no, isn't yes, exciting. No, I think so. You, I'm expecting more dice rolls. I want to. I want to jump the chasm. I want to. I want to swing the rope. I want to try and sh yeah shoot the run uh, I think the villain so. from around I think the corner. So. Yeah, I think so. It would it certainly depend on the players, but like I just for whatever reason, you know, I'm an Indiana Jones fan. Oh, who, isn't? who isn't? Who isn't? Exactly. So the opportunity to play in the 1920s. Absolutely. 
early 30s, which mm-hmm. is when this game is set, sort of. Uh, why wouldn't you make reference to... Anyways. No. Anyways. So, I w- maybe you can just walk us all through what your story was. And then I will come in after with... Okay. I don't remember how, exactly, but I did. We talked about this earlier. Yeah. I did write down every choice I made. So, you just, you just tell me... You, we're our, I don't want to read the story for the no. people, but you give us sort of a synopsis of what, what happened to Mr. Spectre. Okay, so obviously we're, we're catching a coach to yes. eventually get to Arkham, but by the sounds of it, transportation in those days, not super efficient. Not we're direct. Looking, like, we're looking at six stopovers, possibly a train involved. Um, the coach sort of um, breaks down yes. during the initial leg of its travel. Um you end up having to spend the night in this town. Um, for anybody who's read Lovecraft, I, I, I'm gonna, I think I want to say Shadow Over Innsmouth is immediately what I thought. I'm like, oh no, there's fish people here. <laughs> like, I'm like, but then they made no reference to anybody looking like a fish, so I calmed down a little bit. Um, at that point in time, you know, you, you find the boarding house. And once again, you know, um, normally as a older antiquarian, antiquarian, I'm not even sure. How old did you make your character? I was, the plan originally was to make him very old, Mm. but then at some point. The book recommends an age range. Age range. And so I went to the absolute top of that um, because when I had, uh, when I knew I was going to be applying stats, I was like, well, I'm used to playing characters that are very physical, a very action game. I think it's going to be a thinking game. And I'm not saying dump stat, but I was like. I'm going to end up having to allocate a low stat somewhere. Maybe it'll be like something like dexterity or strength. Maybe this is an elderly gentleman. So what right. was your dump stat? It was my dexterity. Same. So was mine. Really? Yeah. What, or, was, your, what was your top stat? Uh, top stat, constitution. Okay, I went with uh, power. Okay, so I was power gaming here a little bit. I was like, if nothing else... I'm going to have hit points? Yeah. I'm going to be able to sustain a beating. In my story, I will tell you, it totally backfired on me. Well, I can't wait till we get to talk about uh, the skill selection because I actually had a lot of fun with that. I so tried not well, to let's get bogged, talk about let's talk I tried about. not to get bogged down with as skill the selection. as the as the coach makes its way yeah. from uh, from the town to uh, Emberhead to Emberhead where you break down. Is it Emberhead? I think so. I want to say it's Emberhead. It breaks down. Uh, you are given the option to start picking your skills in that. Right. So at one point in time, you allocate. Some abilities and the the, the ability score uh, applic- um, application or dispersion was really well done. At first, when I looked at it, I was like, "Okay, you you become such a become so familiar Emberhead. with you're, you're right, Emberhead. I just found so familiar with sort of this uh, this you know three to eighteen range, this three d six, and then all of a sudden to suddenly have stats that are percentages, which was nice because as soon as I looked at it, I realized, oh. I'm going to be rolling percentile dice a lot. I understand how that works. Obviously, if I have a 70 in something as opposed to a 20 in something, my chances of success are going to be really good. Yeah. Um, I chose to put lower stats into physical attributes and um, play this as sort of an older, educated man. So what was your top skill then? Power. No, no. Oh, that, skill. That's your characteristic. Okay. Yeah, right. So my top characteristic was constitution. Yours was power. Right. We both chose dexterity to be our lowest stat. Yes. Yes. So what was your highest investigator skill? Right. So as I was perusing, they gave me a list of options and mm-hmm. stuff. And mm-hmm. then I was looking, and this is, goes back to you, you were mitigating with your constitution. I was like, 
at some point in time, just knowing five languages is probably not going to propel this story for me. Right? <laughs> at some point in time, you've got to be like, okay, what am I going to take? Like, I, I, I took the library skills, and i got to be honest with you, it was relevant and it became a role. And I was like, oh my God, I picked library use, and at some point in time, I had to make a library use role. I had to use a lot of skills that I chose. With me too, and I was really surprised. The one I put in the most, and I totally metagamed this and thought outside the box, was when I was cruising through the list and it popped up as an option for me and I put my top into, was Spot Hidden. And I, and it came it became relevant, I want to say, at least anyone three times. Who, anyone who plays Dungeons & Dragons knows that Perception, perception. is the most overused Absolutely. score. So, and you're in, and on top of this, you're even called an investigator. Okay. I'm like, for that exact reason, I did not take Spot Hidden. Wow. You took the high road on that. My right? top skill was anthropology at 70%, and I never used it once. No. No, I, uh, like I said, um, I. My next highest I, was psychology, and got to use it a number of times. Did you really? I don't know that I had a single psychology role. There is a psych. So when the car breaks down mm -hmm. coming into Ember's Head, there's a psychology check. There is, and I I went with the the driving check instead. Oh, okay. So I did the psychology check and nailed it. I, that I think when I we started, I think oh, maybe I, it wasn't. No, it wasn't psychology. That wasn't psychology because now that you mention it, I think I went with the drive check as well. That's the one where I said I had twenty percent in it. And I rolled yes. the dice, and I got exactly 20. And I wanted to cheer, but then realized I was home alone. So and let's reveal, Did you You were successful, I was successful. Yeah. So the drive check tells you that the car did not break down on its own. That something seems a little suspicious about it. It could have been, yeah. He was grinding gears. He was if grinding gears. If he's an experienced driver, what you heard was not the car breaking down. Yes. What you heard was the grinding of gears. Yes. Which immediately goes, something's up. Yeah. Ba -da -da -da. <laughs> Do, 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 do. Yes, so, okay, so then you get into the town and you're, uh, we might as well do this at the same time. I don't think it's, I think we're sort of doing that anyway. So we, we're we both on the same path here. Yes, you're directed to sort of the boarding house or... A, the um, Ledbetter... Right. The Ledbetter rooming house. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Which is something that we don't really have anymore. It, it's not a modern thing either. No. You would be looking for a motel right. if this was set in, say... 50s onward. Yes, absolutely. Instead, this is essentially a boarding house. You're going to have a bed, yep. and she's going to feed you breakfast. Yeah. That's like an Airbnb. It's not an Airbnb. Maybe a B&B, but not an Airbnb. <laughs> okay. Can I just... you know, Fuck Airbnb. <laughs> I had a horrible experience. <laughs> Can I tell you something? I have no point of reference. I've never stayed. And anytime my wife's like, hey, we could stay at the Airbnb, I go... Okay, I am. Is, I am. Is there a is there a motel nearby? Because <laughs> that's where I'm staying. I am not a supporter of Airbnb. That is an, an entirely different rant, though. Let's you, not get don't on. Do you that love now. how we can just take that left turn and just be like, <laughs> it, was, it was a really good game review. Um, Airbnbs aren't so good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so we get to the the boarding house or yes. yes, and then what what do you experience at the boarding house? Um, everything's good. I think I go out that night to wander around, but I think at that point in time, things are actually yeah. getting dark and I don't up. go out that night to wander around. I stay there. Mm-hmm. Do you get introduced to the little girl there? Yes. You don't actually see her. No. You hear her. Hear her. And the woman that runs the boarding re re house makes reference that there's a little girl, I think her name is Rose. Uh, 
I might be wrong. Rose or Ruby or Ruby something yeah. I can't remember. Ruth. And she Ruth and Ruth lives in the house. Wow, I only I only played this like forty eight hours ago and I still can't remember that. Um, and then you, so you go out and explore the town a bit, and he, I didn't do that. I stayed I in and did. made small talk with her. Made contact, saw some shadowy figures. Oh, interesting. And went to look, they were gone. So you, I stayed in the house and made small talk with the boarding woman. Yeah. And she sort of, she talked suspiciously as well. It, it, because I didn't stay there and I had no interaction with her, it, I automatically just like, oh yeah, she's on like, she's on my team. This is where I sit. This is my base yeah. of operations. I don't necessarily get the feeling that she's, from my reading of it, I was like, she's not necessarily against me, but there's more than meets the eye. Yeah. There's more than meets the eye. So then do, do you get the dream the dream about fire? No. So I had a dream my first night staying there Ooh. that the fire grate. No, I did have. That I dream. didn't. I didn't light the fire when I right. went to bed. But you, but I, I dream that there's a fire burning absolutely, there. Absolutely, I did. And get it's that. such a vivid dream that when I wake up, I actually check, check. to make sure there, there was, wasn't a fire. Yes, yeah. No, I did have that. Yeah. yeah. Because fire plays into the story. It, it most certainly <laughs> does. <laughs> okay. So then, then what happens? That you. You wake you. We go down and we realize the asshole who brought us here has just dri- just driven off. the The bus is no longer the, the it's not a bus. Like the the coach. coach is no longer in town. Right. He's left, and, and they're like, "Oh, he left and, hours ago." And then everybody's like, "He left hours ago." And not only that, he's not back for a week. Yeah, I'm like, what the? F-? And you know, at this point, this is how oblivious I am to plotline. I'm still not getting it. I'm like, well, that's weird. I guess it must force me to investigate around the town so I can find alternative forms of transportation, which is, I believe, one of the first I, things that options you. I started rubbing my hands together at that point, evilly, like, because one of the... Okay, I run Dread, which is another role-playing game. It's a horror game, a suspense game, and one of the keys to running a good Dread story is isolation. Okay. So the moment I realized that I had been abandoned in the town... And that the town had no one coming to it for a week or so, I realized already that the story has isolated. The parameter has been set. And this is another interesting thing when you think about it. Reading Lovecraft, it's always one main character. It's mm-hmm. never a group of characters investigating something or a small group of people talking to the town. It's always the individual. That's and an interesting point, too, because the game Call of Cthulhu is based off of Lovecraft's writing, but Lovecraft did not write stories that uh, necessarily had. At least not to my recollection. I, I agree with you. Yeah. It's usually one person and it's and very commonly a lot of inner dialogue of what they're thinking. Yes, absolutely. What, Observations what and inner feeling. dialogues, right? Yeah. yeah. So so we realize the coach is gone. Right. So the, you then start to look around town. And then there's a spot in the selection process where I think you just keep referring back to and you can sort of oh, pick gosh, four. Oh gosh, 25. Page the number is 25. 25. Which is awesome because the first time I looked at it, I'm like, oh, I would like to pick three or four of so, these. So and at least and I have the option this to. Is, this is how entry 25 reads. You are beginning to get your bearings in Emberhead. Would you like to explore some more? Question mark. And then it says in italics underneath, you may choose an- another option from this those below do not repeat a previous choice once you have tried four options go to number three now this is interesting i totally missed that so i did every single option on here oh did you before i realized and i'm like dead end dead end because they keep bringing you back to 25 yes, it does. you go and get an opportunity to learn something and that brings you back to 25 and i was like 
I'm running in circles here. And then I thought, do I need to repeat one? Because there was failed rolls a couple times on some of these. So the, the options, though, are that you can ask about transport at the local general store. You can seek out the village hall. You can walk down to the lower level and check out the eastern road. You can examine the large metal structure. You can explore the church. Or you can look for local people with their own transportation needs. Right. So at that point in time, I don't remember the order I did it. I think the first thing I did was examine the large metal structure. I went to the church first. Because I was like, oh, there's like in the middle of town, there's a giant weird metal structure. As a real person, I'd be like, what the hell is that thing? I, this is maybe my hang up with religions and mm -hmm. stuff. Um, and I'll just leave it at that. I'm not going to say, mm -hmm. I'm not going to get too into what my hang ups are. But anyways, uh, I, I immediately thought something bad's happening at the church. <laughs> <laughs> there's not there's not an old deserted church on the ed edge of town right and there's not bad shit happening no, there. that's true, right? <laughs> no that's true you're never you're not going to see that not no. in this genre for sure so um, i went to the church i, I went i did it the but church was also enough, one of the ones i went when to. i go to the church it mentions the metal structure yes at which point i knew okay there's like an overlap i need to go to the metal structure at some point this is the one time no there was i think twice but this is the one time when I went to the church, where I thought there was a misprint, and I actually checked the other option, or I checked, you have to make a check at that point in time. Yes. And I was like, that check doesn't make any sense. I think they've written it down wrong. What was the check? Do you remember? Ride. Yes. And I was like, I think I that's a misprint. I either. I can tell you I failed it. I failed it as well. I cheated and I looked to see if I had succeeded because I'm like, I think maybe I found a misprint and knowing we were going to be doing this audio, I would be like, hey, I found a misprint. I checked. It is not a misprint. It is a legit thing. At that point in time, I shut back. So what happens? What's the ride check? You can determine that there had been horses in there recently. Oh, interesting. Because I'm like, why would I examine an old abandoned church and have to find out whether or not I fall off my donkey? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So, uh, the metal structure we've talked about. So, let's. I'm just going to go to that entry. Mm -hmm. So, because it plays a huge role in my story. Does it play a huge role in your story? The metal? Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. I, I, get I, up, think, I, get I have a feeling. A bit. Okay. <laughs> uh, you, walk up, you walk up the approach, which is the main street yes. in Emberhead. Uh, the most central of the village's major streets. It points directly at the odd metal structure. As you emerge from the shade of the nearby buildings, you are greeted by a magnificent panorama spread from the north to the southeast. The last colors of fall tint the hills in a sleepy gold. The structure, by contrast, is made of uncompromising iron, singed black. It supports an immense curved platform at the, at the level of your head. Further struts snake up a central point to a central point. It looks like they may have been some kind of sculpture at one time, but are now twisted and melted beyond recognition. And it goes on from there, but this is sort of, uh, this metal structure looms over the town at all times. It's commonly referenced in the story. Right. You, you know it's there. You're automatic, and having read Lovecraft, realizing what genre this is, you're immediately yes. like, and they refer to it as the beacon? Yes. yes, and it goes on to tell you that you notice bundles of wood tied yeah. and stacked against the buildings nearby, right. and then there's mention at this point of the festival. Right. And immediately at this point in time, 
I won't lie to you, having, and I think most people, I'd be like, oh, somebody's getting burned here. There's a real good chance. That's interesting. I, I didn't think of that. No. I, I, I obviously there's going to be a fire. It talks yeah. about singed metal. Yeah. Uh, but I wasn't sure. No. I, I still wasn't convinced that necessarily. I was <laughs> sure something bad was going to happen, which made the next choice or the choice after when I got to go to the general store. Okay. To look for everyday items. Yes. Which yeah. we've discussed earlier. Um, I suddenly realized they had no idea what an everyday 1920s item is. Yeah. I didn't know what would actually be available. I was like... But it does mention the knife. It mentions that... So, you took the knife. I took, I'm like, I think they're going to burn somebody. <laughs> I've got a three-piece suit on for all I know and a pair of wingtips. You know what? There's a dusty old uh, hunting knife here. Yes. I think that's something I need to have. I... I... Okay. I'm thinking the same thing. That shit is going to turn south at some point in the story. I should take the knife. But I also knew that my character has, like, no fighting skill whatsoever. Um, there's fighting brawl. It gives you a base 25 if yes. you're not trained. I had not put anything in it. So no, I put so none like, into any combat skills. I thought, what good is a knife going to do me if I can't even fight to begin with? And another part of that was... The fact that it was the only piece of equipment listed. I wish it had been like, here's a list of 10 items. You could pick two of them. Because I might not have picked the knife then. I might yes, have, I might I see have been like, oh, I see what you're saying. Um, oh my god, a good Zippo lighter. Wow, that yeah. could come in handy. I could use that to but, start a distraction somewhere. But you know what? Storytellers, uh, GMs, in, in the case of Call of Cthulhu, the Keeper. Yeah. It's his or her job. Mm-hmm. To draw your player's attention to certain things. Oh, no, absolutely. So, mention of the dusty knife is important from the standpoint. Right. It is the storyteller telling you. Can I ask? So, you didn't get it. Did, no. there, did a situation ever arise yep. where it was an option for you to do? It never arose for me as okay. an option. Let's keep moving along then. And I'll tell you because when I reach, so when I reach the point that I need it, if I had had it, the outcome would have been different. But, but I did not have it. And the outcome was terrible. Yeah. Uh, okay, so y- you look around, and then eventually I look around. Eventually, you get back to that the morning exertions leave you hungry, mm-hmm. and that you come back. Now, I will say this: Did you go to the lower road? No, I don't believe I went to the. Lower okay, road. I'm just going to bring attention to the lower road because it's kind of cool. So that's one fifteen. I'm trying to remember the choices I did make here. So when you go to the lower road. Um, I'm having trouble remembering which ones I chose. So, the air is fresh, and you walk down to the lower ridge. You find the walk down to the lower ridge invigorating. You know it's cultivated fields. fields. Um, And then you start talking. It starts thinking about maybe you could leave here on foot. And maybe you don't have to stay in Emberhead at all. You can make, you can just walk to the next town. I did do this. Uh, And then as you examine, um, a set of uh, it says further down the road skirts the edge of the ridge, uh, and there a few scattered hovels are with signs of habitation. There, they are set a substantial distance apart, and this is where I'm thinking Innsmouth. Me too. Uh, I'm like you've got these hovels just out of sight of town. No, I did do this one. This was one of my uh, yeah. Places. And then as you examine a door, an older man steps out, and he's wearing a bedraggled outfit, right. and he carries a piece of 
cloth, which he tosses over his head like a hood. Uh, as he does this, he sees you and freezes. And then you're required to make a luck roll. I made this luck roll, did you? I made it too. I made it too. And I was like, okay. And then you see that he's burnt or scarred. Or you, you notice there's something up with his face. Yes. He goes to a set of, and he basically walks away from you, goes to a set of caves, and you follow him to the caves. I didn't go in. I went in. I was like, I was like, <laughs> and this, and this is what prompted me later in the game, I think, to pursue people outside at night yes. during an option, because I was like, I'd already ducked out once of propelling the story forward, okay. and I kind of regretted it. But I was like, there's no way I'm following a weird old man with a hood okay. into, into a small cave so in by, the middle of nowhere. By this point, yeah. I was like, I'm a professor, yeah. Dick Dickerson, professor oh. of anthropology. Oh. I like the study of people. Oh. Why wouldn't I try to find out more about this? And caves, anthropology and caves and all the rest of it, I'm like, no, I'm, I think he'd go in. So I decided I would go in. And he then basically tells, he warns you about the people in the town. Ah, see, I did not receive this one. He, he implies that, you know, things are not as they seem, and uh, he keeps pointing up. Uh, and you, and as I said, it goes from you're not sure about what's going on with his face, that you then realize his face, he's horribly burned. Okay, see, I didn't know he was horribly burned, so it must have not have come until... You're inside the cave with him. That's right. To him. That's right. Because I just noticed there was something unusual looking about him. Yeah. So if you follow the man in, it, it takes you to 142. And then I followed him in, and closer inspection uh, reveals this narrow cave. And once you get in with him, you find out that he's burnt. And that he... Um, oh, and you have to make a sanity check. This was my first sanity check. I don't know that I have a sanity check. Oh, I lost sanity, all kinds of sanity in this game. I had no sanity checks and lost no sanity. So I started with a sanity of 50 and ended with a sanity of 47. Your sanity's 50? What, what's sanity again? How is it determined? Sanity was, I think it's maybe your power. Okay. See, cause I, because not realizing that and having made that my big sanity, I had started with a sanity of 80. Oh, there you go. Now, in the game, passing a sanity check does not remove you from losing sanity. Right. It means you don't lose as much sanity. Nice. So, and I only know that from playing the, the Halloween game. Okay. So sometimes, even when you make the roll, you still fail. You know what I mean? No, you, no, you're no I You're still losing some. It's sort of like a better case scenario. Yes. Yes. So you find out that basically that this man has um, been burnt. Uh, some of the man's face remains a strip from the side of his jaw to his right eye socket is healthy and pale if aged but the left side is consumed by angry scar tissue one eye droops hooded by melted flesh and the nostril on that side is pulled open to leave a gaping hole the disfigured man studies your reaction with his one good eye he names himself as Willard Abergast guess I don't need to ask what brings you to Emberhead? So he starts to imply that you're not here by uh, chance. Ah. So at that point, I'm on high alert with my character. I'm like, oh, shit. You're wishing you had the option to run back to yes. the store and grab that knife. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, 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 well, I still like the fact that I didn't take the no, knife. No, no. It's nice to play I was like, a character. I was like, I don't think my guy, he's not a fighter. He's, Yeah. Did you go to the um, 
the local people with their own transportation no. needs. So in that, you go and check that out, and it's um, basically a small market. There's like a blacksmith, there's a carpenter, right. there's a... But there's one shop that's boarded up. Okay. And I need to bring this up because it works into my story. So the one shop that's boarded up, when I go close to it, their conversations get awkward. As if they're not really conversing anymore, they're actually watching what I'm doing and then just trying to make fake conversations so that I'm not alerted to them. Wow. Yeah. It's feeling, and I think it's a psychology role for me to notice that and I, I make it. I went to like the town hall or something I want to say at some point in time. Yeah. Did you do If this? you go to the town hall in the morning, I think it tells you there's like, you, you the people aren't there. Right. You're going to have to come back later. I do manage to go back later and there's, there's an actual library there. Yeah. Do you sneak in? I I actually am in there for quite okay. a day. So the after with the afternoon me. then comes yeah. along, and you chose then to spend the whole afternoon speaking with, trying to asking about the telegraph machine, which doesn't work. And oh, then okay. I never even knew about a telegraph. There machine. was a telegraph machine in there. It's um, down, and um, there are going to be some people in in a couple of days to work on it, and he can make but arrangements we for should, you to drive out. We should them. maybe say that after your morning exploration, yep. the first entry when you're moving into the afternoon of that day. Yeah. Ruth tells you, get out. Yes, she does. Like this little girl comes up to you in the street and I says, know. get Looks out. Looks around, get out. Before anybody can, can hear, hear her. her. Yes. Specifically, the woman who runs the bed and breakfast can't hear her. Yes. Like, because she's coming behind Ruth and she makes sure that she gets this plead into you. Now, did you ask May no. or Ruth? No, I played it like Ruth sort of has this pleadingness in her eyes that says, that she doesn't want you... At that point in time, I had already decided I pro that, that was what this camp, this story was going to be about, me getting out. Yeah. But I had already been like, oh yeah, hey, thanks, kid. I'm already picking up on the vibe around here. <laughs> yes. Second of all, um, she the, the plead, I was like, I don't want to sink her. Like, what if my actions have negative actions for her? So I was like, I've gotten the warning, which is, at that point in time, sort of the third knock on the door. I already have got enough bad feelings that I'm realizing... I need to get out of here. But once again, you know, the option of, well, I could just walk out. Mm -hmm. I want to. Okay. Well, I take that option. Do you? I decide you have to get, I have to get out of town and I start to walk. Really? Yeah. So, but you went, first of all, you went to the town hall, which I did first before I left. Yeah. I went to the town hall. No one's there. You can break in through a window. I went in and broke in through the window. And then you find a library. I knew about the books from the first time I'd been there, but I didn't get a chance to access the yes. secret door. So the second time I, I failed did, this role. I get it. So there's there. a secret door. Yes. I failed this role. Your your classic book on the shelf. Really? So what's behind the secret Obviously door? Obviously a smaller hidden library with sort of occult like tombs is this where you learn your incantation i don't have a lot of time there's people moving around there like you have enough time there's three books of particular <laughs> this interest. is fantastic i didn't uh, three books of particular interest um and two of them seem like about like a summoning ritual okay and they're like you have enough time to memorize one incantation basically out of one of these books which one do you pick i picked one of the books i made the roll i learned I, um i had taken library use Oh, right? cool. And okay. so this this whole I made all my library. I think roles. I did too. I think I took library use yeah, as well. I yes, I did. Sixty percent in it. So I mean, I was flying through there, um, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is huge!" Like, there's this is definitely going to come into play. Never came into play, but it also pushed me into a situation where, at that point in time, I didn't get out unnoticed. 
Oh, okay. Okay. So someone saw you. Yeah. So, um, which comes, I can't remember exactly how this plays out, but at some point in time, yeah, I am sort of incarcerated. Oh, you're incarcerated. Like, well, it doesn't appear to be the official law, but a couple of guys take me into a room and sort of, yeah, lock me in. Following your library visit. I can't remember. I think that would make sense. Let me tell, so I checked the library. Yeah. I failed the roll and I get out and nobody's seen me. I decide now I'm leaving town. So I start walking. I go back to the bed and breakfast. Mm. I lighten my load essentially. Only right. take what I need. Right. And I go. And then it starts to try to lead me off the path. There's options to like go climb a hill and try to see if there's a nearby town or or do that or or try to take a shortcut. Uh, the road seems to be bending around, so cut through the woods to make it to the road on the other side. I don't do it. No. I'm I'm on the road. My, Professor Dickinson is not going to risk that. Yeah. So, Professor Dickinson, then, as it, as things are getting uh, dark, hears coyote, a coyote, and it tries to it tries to calm you down. It's like, well, coyotes don't attack people, right? So there's no worry here, right? And it's a fair distance off. I see a bear at one point on my walk. And See, I've, I've had access to none of this storyline. This is the interesting thing that I found about the story. And I don't know if this isn't the case in all Lovecrafty and Cthulhu, but the wilderness is very wildernessy. Like he, he was a city man. Once you leave he, town, you are in the wilds. In the 1920s, I mean, there were areas that were sure, massively sure. underdeveloped. Well, this is, this is something that we've probably noticed in our lifetime. If you remember what... Like, I can remember going up and down the highway from here to Toronto, and it wasn't just... Parking lot after parking lot after parking lot after building after building. There was there was actual forest. Right. And see, for me, even more, we we spent every summer up north. And when I say up north, I mean six plus hours north of here. Yes. Like um, there are areas there, and I remember even being told as a kid, like don't wander off into those woods. You could wander five or six days in a straight line and not even come across another road. Yes. Which you is know, something that's distinctively Canadian for This us. is true. But, but I mean, the concept that sort of, like, the wilderness is the wilderness? Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, it, it basically says, like, do you want to approach the bear? I'm like, no, I don't want to approach the bear. <laughs> so, I, I, I take, I stay away from the bear. The bear mm. does, I'm like, is the bear going to kill me? Is this how this ends? Like, the bear doesn't kill me. Very un-Lovecraftian. Yes. Just, uh, mauled by a bear. Mauled by a bear. I really thought that might be the way it goes down. Anyways, uh, I continue down the road. And I pushed well into the night. But then the coyotes start getting closer, and there's more than one now. And then finally, the road is blocked by three forms. Okay. I, I encountered forms in town that you can't quite... They're not coyotes. No, okay. The, I had sort of cloaked or they, shadowy men in oh, town. Oh, no, these are definitely beasts. Of some type. <clears throat> wow. This but, is a totally different story than I had. And uh, I start to step away from them. Mm-hmm. And they burst into flame and attack. Whatever these monsters in the woods were. They, they burst into flames and they attack me. And I stumble and fall. And I wake back in the bed and breakfast. Wow. Yeah. I was like, oh, really? So, then I'm allowed to start exploring the town again. So you're incarcerated at this point. I think I'm further ahead in this. At some point in time, yeah. I, I had bumbled around. I hadn't really made any... So it gives me the option to go back and start snooping around in yes. those places that we snooped around before. I think maybe that's when I get back to the library the second time is somewhere yeah. in there. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah, I never try and make it out of town. 
I'm sort well, of investigating. You don't make it. <laughs> I can tell you. I think I end. could have died out there. I think the story could have ended with me dying out there. Hmm. Or maybe it always just brings you back unconscious. But basically a farmer found me in a ditch and brought me back. No way. And I think I lost more sanity out there too, if I remember correctly. Well, I would believe that. So then I go, I decide that I'm going to check out the, that shop that they got all strange when I got near. Right. So I didn't even encounter that shop because I don't think I went that quest line. So, so I return to the shop yeah. and have to physically bust my way in. Now, fortunately, my strength wasn't, my strength's 60. So I was able to break down. I'm not, I'm not so uh, out of shape. That right. So I break in. There is some kind of an, the way it was described to me, my being from a family of funeral directors, it very much sounded like a uh, embalming room. No way. This and is interesting. I find three bodies I, burnt and wrapped inside. I am familiar with these three bodies Okay, from so, my storyline. So I'm just going to go a little bit further yeah. and then we're going to jump back to your story. Yeah. So I find the three bodies. There's some kind of a table where there could maybe be a pot that things on the table drain into, which had me thinking embalming in that no. uh, when someone finds me there. He attacks me. And a fight breaks out. And now I have to do a little combat between... And this I had to go into book two to get the combat rules. I had no combat. Okay. He's hitting you. <laughs> He's doing like a D3 plus a D4 worth of damage because of his damage bonus. He's a big hulking guy. You're, you're going to be dropping fast. Okay, so just off top, how many hit points do you have? My character has uh, 14. I have 11. Okay, and I won't get into the all of the math, but basically, he get the the thing is I have to get him to six hit points, and then there's a it says if you can get him to six hit points, go to this page, mm -hmm. or if you hit zero hit points, go to this page. I got him to seven. So close. So close. And had I had that knife, the few times I hit, it would have it would have pushed him over. Instead, I hit zero, and this is important to my story. I hit zero, and then it tells me I wake up bound, uh, shackled. Yes. One hit point. Okay. This might be where they overlap. I don't ever end up at one hit point, but I do end up at one point in time being sort of captured and shackled. Yes. So I think we're going to hit the same place here together. So <clears> you <throat> tell me, you're captured and shackled. What happens? Somebody, they explained to me that, um, I think, I can't remember if they explained to me here or as they're taking me to the beacon, that um, there needs to be an annual sacrifice to, for the good of the community. Where And, and I'm, how lucky I am to have been chosen. Um, I am chained to the beacon, which is being ready to be set on fire. And there, the three bodies are laid in a triangle. I'm standing yes. on the bottom. Yes. All right. You are also here? Okay, so my story, mm -hmm. I don't get told I'm doing it for the good of the community. Yeah. They just trace me up there, and then these three dancing girls come out. There are three dancing girls. As and one, everyone's one. face is painted black, except for a red, red triangle, triangle over the one eye. Yes. <clears throat> and they, uh, 
one by one the girls dance in front of me and whisper something in my ear. Right. And like one tells, and they base they basically tell you that you're going to be sacrificed and mm-hmm. it's for and it's going to be a prosperity to the community. Right, right. But the last girl is Ruth. Oh, I don't get that. I think there's you have to make a certain check at that point in time, and oh. I don't make it. Well, the last girl is Ruth, mm-hmm. and she whispers in my ear that she's loosened my bonds. Nobody loosens my bonds. I'm. I'm allowed at some point in time to physically make a check because the one shackle feels loose and I'm allowed to try and make a strength check. And I don't believe it's a standard okay. strength thing. It's like a one of those half ones. I can't, I, I'm not going to be able to find the reference. <laughs> Me neither. When you're on, when you're on top of this, yes. she says, wait for the smoke to sort of cover your retreat. Nobody tells me this. And, and I've loosened it. Wait for the smoke to cover your retreat. So... I get up there, and it, they say that you're given a chance to then try to break free, yeah. but the smoke hasn't started yet, so I don't choose to break free. Right. The fire starts, mm-hmm. the smoke gets thick enough, and it says now you can make a roll to break free, but before you do, no. you take 1d6 points of fire damage. Yes. This is I had magic. one hit point. <coughs> so, so I died on the beacon. I, that's where my, that's where my story is. It doesn't tell me that the smoke's going to get thicker. I'm working the shackle. It breaks loose. At that point in time, you realize, oh my gosh, the thick, the smoke, you stumble and fall at the back of the beacon, realizing as you hit the ground that nobody noticed you because the smoke was so thick. I immediately start running back to town. Oh, to town? Town town is empty. Everybody's there. I can see all, like the entire community. Mm-hmm. Gathered around the beacon. I get to town. I'm running through, I believe, the marketplace I didn't go to really before. There's a bicycle. I remember how to ride a bicycle from my days in Providence. I jump on the bike and I pedal as long you as live? hard. Did you and live? I live. Oh, At one point no. in time, I'm on the outskirts of town. I take a breather on a hill overlooking the town. I look back. The town is on fire. The entire village is burning, and you're like, the thought is, well, they're so secluded. There's no, there's no fire rescue team coming to put that out. And I get back on the bike, and I get out of there. I actually survived. Very and, nice. Yeah, sir. it was a, and I think the roll I had to make was a really small roll. It was like twenty or twenty-five. It was a, and I remember rolling like a sixteen. But I'm so unfamiliar with percentiles. For a second, I'm like sixty-one, and then I'm like, oh, wait, wait, wait. Wait, you're reading that totally backwards. That's 16. You did this. I had twice in this adventure where I made rules you see, that were incredibly okay, small. Did you see the coach driver again? I see him in the crowd. At the fire. At the fire. Yeah. And um, as I'm on yes, as I'm on the burning thing, I can see um, Ruth yes. and, and, no, not Ruth, May. May. Yeah, I can see May, and standing beside her yes. is asshole who broke. Down. I want to say Silas. Yes. Yeah. No, absolutely. Where that scene seems to overlap. I actually make it out. I make it out. The only damage I take is. Um, Did you take the D six fire? I took three points of damage from the fire. From the fire. Okay. So the fire. Yeah, the fire killed me, and it just says, "You're you're dead. You're killed." Um. And I was like, "Well, shit." On one hand, I was like, "Well, they say you always die in the end of a Call of Cthulhu game." I, at a certain point in time, I was pretty sure I was dead, but it looked like it still gave me the option. I was like, I knew when I made the roll to break the loosened one bond fell mm-hmm. loose. 
Um, I was like, well, if I don't make this, I'm pretty sure I know how. So that's this interesting because yeah. probably the way the story goes is that Ruth had loosened that bond, but you didn't make the role for her to. Because I think you have to make a role to hear what she says in your ear. Or something. There was a role right near there when the dancers are there that I actually fail. Okay. And I passed. Yeah. And she says, you know. But the fight was what did it to me. And and it's interesting because it was a turning point in the story. Because had I had the knife, I would have gotten him to six. Now, I don't know what happens if you get him to six. But I would have gotten him to six. And I wouldn't have gone into the fire with probably one hit Hit point. point. Which would have meant... You could have been riding a bicycle out of town. <laughs> bicycle. Bicycle. I was like, bicycle? Why didn't I think of that? I should have bought one of those at the general store. <laughs> Maybe a nice tandem bike, you know? <laughs> a, u- a unicycle. A unicycle. Well, that's great. That's great. In retrospect, in terms of a tool to learn a brand new system, mm-hmm. Absolutely loved it. Yeah, it was effective. It was 100% effective. Having grown up and the age that I'm at, the concept of a choose-your-own-adventure novel, and there was a series of Dungeons & Dragons ones. As a way to introduce a player to Call of Cthulhu... I could give this book to a friend who I knew was into Lovecraft and had never role-played, and like I said, an hour from now, we would be sitting here having a conversation, him and I, and he would understand what a role-playing game is, and how this system works. I would love to play this. I know we're talking one-shots. Yeah, this I is, could we're going to one-shot shot this, this game. For, absolutely. We, I we might even one-shot this. That's, but, that's where my curiosity comes from for this game. Is like, how does... Because what does the character look like after five com- successful so sessions? I, I lost, I lost uh, a fair bit of sanity. And... Uh, I know that when we played in our Halloween game, people lost sanity, but also like there were some major wounds uh, inflicted, which sort of stay with the character. They don't necessarily heal perfectly. Right. So I would be interested to see how if it's possible to run a long-term campaign mm-hmm. with with the same core group of characters with the, same, I, with I, the investigators again yeah. and again and again. Yeah. Chaosium has got a pretty decent sized library like you're you're not going to, this is not a brand new role-playing game where you're <coughs> going to buy the rule book and there's no support material there's lots of support material okay there's lots of modules that can be run anyways uh, we'll, we'll we'll sort of wrap things up here and uh obviously we're fans of the box set uh and we're fans of alone against the flames and my understanding is that there are more of these solo adventures on their website oh really Okay, that's something I would actually... And I'm not a download PDF sort of guy. Yeah. You know, I, we've established that like technology is not something I am comfortable with. <laughs> I like my electronics with toggle switches because I can hear the click to know they're on. You might be more 1920s than you realize. realize. Um, but having played that, I really thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. I, I, I could see myself There's doing more another one. There's more of them. Yeah. Uh, Alone Against the Flames is only one. And like I said, my understanding is that the third book in this, the um, the Paper Chase and Other Adventures, mm-hmm. um, from the research I've done, is actually a series of three adventures that are considered sort of iconic or timeless or that needed to be reprinted because there was a demand for it. There you go. So not just sort of three thrown together for this particular thing. They're... Um, there's sort of, uh, and I think each each of the three is supposed to have sort of a different feel to it, so you don't feel like mm-hmm. you're just running the same. I think one of them is a solo 
game again, but this time you have a you I, have a it's a solo, but I think the option is you, you have, have a keeper. You have a keeper, right? Yeah, and then you you run it solo though, but it can be used as a sequel to Alone Against the Flames. Oh, nice! Really well done. Really well laid out. Thumbs up. Thumbs up across the board. Absolutely. So. That is the that is another episode of Oldman Rolling Dice. And here's the best part. I get to say good night, Dick. And your character is Dick. Is Dick. Dick Dick Dickerson. Good night, Dick Dickerson. Good night, Dick. <laughs>